Welcome to Paranormal Things. I'm your host Keith from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're going to see fact or fiction. What's in Loch Nessie in Scotland? Without further ado, here it is. The real story of Loch Ness. We all want monsters. We want things that are bigger than we are, frightening and hidden. But to be hidden, they have to be in lost worlds. And to some extent, Loch Ness is a lost world because of its darkness and its depth. It is those elements that, quite frankly, are probably deep. responsible for reducing somewhat. Shine. I'm a naturalist. I lead the Loch Ness Project, which researches Loch Ness, and I have designed the public exhibition called the Loch Ness Centre at Drumna Drockley. Loch Ness is not huge on a world scale, but it is in terms of depth, and it was that aspect which attracted me. And so the search in the 70s moved underwater, and I was part of that. I've been here for 10 years. I'm getting older. <laughs> Do it! The problem at Loch Ness was deep, dark, cold water, but there was another loch called Loch Mora, which had clear water and a similar monster tradition. And that's where I began in 1973. I built a submarine, a small submersible observation trailer to exploit that clear water. And I was looking upwards against the daylight on the surface, hoping that something big would swim over the top. But I saw so much more. Even the little tiny plankton would be outside the window. And so I developed a much greater general interest in what was going on in the lock. We ended up moving slowly from trying to ambush an anomaly to looking at the general environment, things that were plausible, such as the food web. Loch Ness is a cold water environment and it is surrounded by mountains of very ancient hard rocks which yield extremely few nutrients. That is limiting to reptiles, for example, like the favourite plesiosaur. When I was nearly eight years old, I was taken by my parents to a little town on the east coast of England called Munsley. And one evening we walked down to the beach and out towards the horizon, we saw a series of fast moving humps, all in line, moving across our field of view. That was the first time that I became aware of the monsters, maybe there are the monsters. Fact that the conventional wisdom, i.e., science, did not Can believe they in the Loch Ness. And yet, maybe they do that like salmon do. I am, you saw it, didn't you? Move upstream. I don't doubt there's a monster myself. I just noticed a small, dark shape just out of the corner of my eye. You saw this great neck emerged from the water and then there was the long neck and you could see the three humps. Our brains spend a lot of time trying to work out what we're seeing and then telling us that we're seeing it. And so what should be in Loch Ness? It should be a Loch Ness monster. Now the stereotype of the Norwegian sea serpent with its relatively short head and neck and lots and lots of humps, we explained at Loch Ness. It was boat wakes. 
the Caledonian Canal means that quite large vessels move through and the wave train left behind them is called a displacement wake and when viewed from a low angle results in a remarkable illusion of solid hulks. Now we're left with the plesiosaur stereotype with its longer neck and its shorter body. Now how could that be explained? What on Loch Ness has these flexible long necks that we do know about? And it might sound outrageous to suggest that these long-necked birds could produce monster sightings because of scale. But consider now the situation when the water is calm, He's a skeptic. It's flat, and then doesn't contain recognizable objects. How then do we judge the scale of an object we do not recognize? And the answer is it's very difficult. If we don't recognize the bird and we can't judge the scale, then we are left with an image which is very similar to that famous surgeon's photograph that is the picture we would all recognize of a Loch Ness monster. The head out of the water. It is simply the conclusion of it being a monster because of the perceived scale. And the perceived scale, in the absence of evidence of scale, comes from expectation. I think if we were to get a fish on the scale that the contacts would suggest, then I don't think anybody would be too dissatisfied. And all those eyewitnesses would have their vindication. When I present the mystery of the Loch Ness Monster, I'm as anxious to show the lessons of what we've actually done we haven't sat around the lock failing to photograph a Loch Ness Monster for 40 years. We learned lessons outside the natural history and more into human perception. There you have it. Getting a, a real story of the Loch Ness Monster. By the History Channel. Until we meet again, sleep tight.